0: Chapter Two of A Vanished Hand. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Vanished Hand by Sarah Doni. Chapter Two. What was written? In love lives on and hath a power to bless, when they who loved are hidden in the grave, Lowell. "'Everyone said that it was a hopeless thing to get engaged to a poor curate,' the writer went on, "'and I was only a poor teacher. So the folly was not all on one side. We were wonderfully happy in our folly, so happy that we were full of pity for Mr. Worley Wiseman when he had happened to cross our path with this contemptuous smile. Even Harold's sister, Ellen, with her cold blue eyes, had no power to chill us in those days. Fridge, as Ellen was—' I liked her better than James, her husband, who always pretended to be fond of me. He was a man of the good fellow type, burly and loud of noise. But Jamie, dear little lad, bore no resemblance to his father at all and was only like his mother in her best boots. Oh, poor little Jamie. I am not writing a novel. I am only telling of things that really came to pass. We had been engaged nearly twelve months when an old man died and left Harold two thousand pounds i do not expect anyone to understand the gladness which that money gave us it is enough to say that i began to prepare my wedding clothes and harold went hunting for suitable lodgings in all his spare moments the clothes were finished and the lodgings found when a terrible thing happened james had always known all about harold's affairs he knew that our money was lying at the bank waiting till a good investment was decided upon he pretended to have found a safe investment and he got the money into his own hands and absconded. Ellen confessed afterwards that she had known of her husband's difficulties for many months. She feigned ignorance of his whereabouts, but I always believed that she knew more than she told. As I said just now, I am not running a novel. I am telling things in the plainest way and in the fewest words. Most people, I dare say, would have survived the loss of £2,000, but our hope was taken from us with the money harold was not strong he was the kind of man who needs a wife's love and care and the thought about prolonged separation was more than he could endure he went about his parish work as usual no one missed a kind word because his heart ached no good deed was left undone because his hands were tired and yet oh harold how hard it was for you to labor in those days he carried his cross manfully although it staggered sometimes under his weight and he bore his great wrong with the minute patience which he had learned from his master. It was in the early spring that a sickness broke out among the poorest of his flock, and Harold had but little leisure. One night he was summoned from his bed to visit a dying man who prayed that he would come, and that night, when a bitter east wind smote him and the rain beat upon him, he heard the master's call to rest. Do not think I am an unhappy woman. I went down with him to the very brink of the river, that river which had been a terror unto many, but had no gleam for him. In those last moments, I believe he knew that we should not part along. I see now that he had the swift glimpse into the future which is sometimes granted to a departing saint. How can I be unhappy when I'm so sure that he's watching for me? Ellen sent for me to come to her. She says she had gotten a dead blow. James has written, telling her that she must never expect to see him again. He has deserted her for someone else, leaving her to struggle and here in poverty with her child. She has now confessed that she knew that James meant to get possession of Harold's money. She was in his confidence from the beginning. We wanted to prevent your marriage with Harold if it could, she said. We never liked you, Meta, but you are avenged. I sent for you to tell you that you are avenged on me. Just for a moment my heart cried out that this was as it should be. Within me there was a struggle, brief and strong. But how could my better nature fail into triumph, helped as I was by Harold's loving influence? Oh, my love in heaven, I will not be conquered by evil. You are on my side, you and the angels of God. It is bitter weather, I said, up at night men to make Jamie's clothes, while he slept soundly in my bed dear little fellow does me good to see his cheeks so rosy and round and his curly golden head half buried in the pillow if thine any hunger feed him said the master it might be hard to feed mine enemy but it is a labor of love to feed mine enemy's child if i am called away who will take care of jamie my landlady mrs penn is a good woman but one can hardly expect her to take up the burden of a little boy and yet I think Jamie would be more of a blessing than a burden. He has the sweetest ways I ever knew, and there is a look of Harold in his blue eyes. How the wind howls tonight. It is a melancholy November. It was a curious thing that I should have a fainting fit in the street. Poor Jamie would not let my hand go when they carried me into the shop. When I came to myself, I saw his dear, frightened little face looking up at me. He is not yet four years old and i am getting weaker and weaker i will write to harold's old college friend if i can find out this address it must be somewhere among harold's papers arnold wayne ah i wonder if arnold wayne would be good to the boy last night i had a dream of christmas harold came to me in my dream and said that i should hear the angels sing on christmas day i woke up to find a frosty moonlight shining into the room and Jamie, half-awake, complaining of the cold. I folded him closely in my arms, and we both fell asleep. I am very feeble today. I must not try to go out of doors. There is little money in my hand. Jamie looks at me and kisses me. Oh, Jamie. That was all. The handwriting, so firm at first, was straggling and faint at the close. Twilight was creeping fast into the little black room. The fire was getting low and elsie shivered in the chillness she knew now that this woman whom she had almost envied had passed away from earth. they were together harold and meta in the home of souls where love finds a full satisfaction and rest perhaps elsie's vision of the pair was not as unreal as it might have been supposed to be the thought came to her as she sat musing in the twilight that wherever there was a home there must surely be homeliness The hope of a home, denied to them on earth, was realized in the eternal life, that life which had no need of marriage because the spiritual union is complete without the earthly tie. She folded up the manuscript carefully and reverently and put it back into the drawer of the table. But in doing this she did not put it out of her mind. Where was Jamie now? It seemed to her, that evening, as if the vanished hand of the writer was beckoning her onward to begin the search for the boy meta had been wronged and had suffered oh how deeply meta had fought the good fight and had won the victory and to elsie in her loneliness there came a great longing to take up the love task which meta had been suddenly called to resign and care for jamie as the dead woman had cared for him but how was she to begin her search for the child she knew him only as jamie by some curious oversight meta had not given any of the surnames of those whose stories she had written there were but two surnames mentioned in the manuscript pen and wayne mrs pen was a landlady arnold wayne had been the college friend of harold elsie moved quietly about her room busy with many thoughts as she lighted the lamp and shut out the evening sky it was a beautiful sky with soft rose tints touching the gray of the gloaming and a star gleamed faintly above the tall spire. She gave a wistful look at the star before she drew down the window line. End of chapter 2